John chapter 16, verses 1 through 15. I have said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. They will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he is offering service to God. And they will do these things because they have not known the Father nor me. But I have said these things to you, that when their house or when their hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. I did not say these things to you from the beginning, because I was with you. But now I am going to him who sent me. And none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do, do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me lo no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot hear them now or bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine, and he will declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. You may be seated. So today we're continuing on in our series on the Apostles' Creed. And we're in the section that reads, I believe in the Holy Spirit. And so today we're going to look at John chapter 16, verses 1 through 15. And to be, to be completely, you all would know this, that's all the Scripture speaks of the Holy Spirit. There's not a section in the Scriptures where the, there is only the Father or the, only the Son or only the Holy Spirit. The triune God works in unity throughout all the Scriptures. But we're going to look at John chapter 16, verses 1 through 15. In affirming this, uh, this phrase, this statement, this confession of, I believe in the Holy Spirit. And so if we were to look at verse 1, verse 1 says, I have said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. You know, that's really pointing to what is said before. before. So it would be helpful to at least lay a foundation of what is Jesus talking about here and really what setting is Jesus speaking within. And so... Sorry, John chapter 16 is in the setting of the Last Supper, and this really falls between John chapter 13 and John chapter 17. In John chapter 18 is when Jesus leaves to go to the garden and where he's betrayed. And John is very unique from the other synoptic gospels from Matthew, Mark, and Luke in that, you know, John does not talk about the, the Last Supper where he gives the, the, the bread and the wine as a as sort of a symbol of you know what he wants them to do in remembrance of me. John is, has a bunch of words that Jesus speaks during this Last Supper. And so it will be helpful to at least um, do an overview of that because that really is going to lead to this idea of him presenting 
the Holy Spirit, not just in this passage, but leading into John chapter 16 as well. So the setting is the Last Supper. And one of the overarching things that we can at least say about this uh, section where um, Jesus is speaking to his disciples during the Last Supper is really Jesus wanting to express his love for his disciples. And that's not to exclude the Father's love or even the love of the Trinity for the people, but because Jesus dwelt among his disciples, he lived and moved about them and, and spoke with them through many parables and, and showed them many signs and, you know, he constantly, you know, um, being patient with them and telling them how much he loves him. This really carries through this, this, um, this time during the Last Supper. And so, with that being said, I want us to just sort of, you, you can stay in John chapter 16, but I'll just go through sort of an intro leading up to John chapter 16 and just showing ways in which Jesus expresses or shows his love for his people. And so um, an example of his love would be Christ's love expressed in the way that he took the time to humbly wash his disciples' feet. That falls into this setting. And really Jesus does that as an example for his disciples, an expression of, you know, if he's a teacher and he's washing his servants' feet, that's an ex that's that's supposed to be an example, not just an expression of his love for his disciples, but later on he'll flesh that out in that do what I do. And not it's not necessarily the washing of the feet, but it's taking on this this humble state to love one another and to serve one another. Another way that Jesus confirms his love for his people is and reminding them that they truly are his disciples, that they did not choose him, that he chose them. This is in John chapter 3, John chapter 13, verse 18 and 20 and 35. He also communicates words of love to them in, in, um, so that they would believe and not fall away. Again, if you look at John chapter 16, this first verse that is our passage, he says, I have said all these things to you, to keep you from falling away. And so Jesus is constantly teaching his disciples, constantly wanting them to be encouraged by um, the things that he says so that they would not fall away. In John chapter 13, verse 19, Jesus says to his disciples, I'm telling you this now, before it takes place, that when it does take place, you may believe that I am him. Jesus is concerned with, with, with the standing of his disciples um, in the time frame of, of, of the future tense, in where they're going to find themselves, really what Jesus is talking about is he's going to be leaving, and he doesn't want them to fall away. He wants them to remember his words. Jesus also, in John chapter 17, is, is the famous high priestly prayer of Christ. This is after the passage that we're going to go, we're, we're going to dive into, but this falls within the bracket of, the Lord's Supper leading into the time of his um, betrayal is this high priestly prayer where Christ really prays for the, the people that the Father has given him. And he longs for them to know him as the Father and the Son know one another and how they love one another and abide in this love. Another way of, of his expressing his love for his people is his, is his own desire for them that they would love and obey him. We see this in John chapter 14, verse 15, where Jesus says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. In John chapter 14, verse 21, Jesus says, Whoever has my commandments and keep them, he it is who loves me. So there's this desire that 
they would they would they would hear his commandments and that they would obey him but that this is also this obedience is also an expression of love for him and then his desire to see them love one another so in John chapter 13 verses 34 through 35 you have Jesus giving them a new commandment where he says a new commandment I give to you that you love one another just as I have loved you you also are to love one another and the reason for this it's not just, yes, to love one another and that expression of the love that he has for them. But he says that by this, all people will know that you are truly my disciples if you love one another. In John chapter 15, for, for verse 12, he says, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. So Jesus constantly caring for his disciples Ultimately, it's his love, and it's the love of the Father for the Son, and the love that the Son has for the Father that that they are, that Christ is expressing to his disciples to, to see that, to bear witness to that, but let it transform them so that and let it play out in loving one another so that the world may know that they are truly his disciples. We also see also his desire to see them bear good fruit, to bear fruit. This fruit is really spiritual works, that are are that flow out of salvation. These are not works that lead unto salvation. John chapter 15, verse 8. Jesus says, By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciple. And so all of this, this time frame where Jesus is, is saying all these things during the Lord's Supper, and he did the foot washing, really this is the necessity of this moment is because Jesus is going to be departing from his disciples. And when we talk about departing, Jesus departing from his disciples, I mean, many times in the Gospels, Jesus, Jesus talks about he's going to go to the cross. You know, they don't really get it throughout the Gospels. We reading them, we, we know, we see those words, and, you know, we, we can look back, and, but it's like they don't get it. And so if you think about his departure, you know, Jesus goes to the cross, and they think he's, I mean, they have, they have lost all hope. Their, their Messiah, their teacher is dead. And they, they, it's not until his resurrected body that they finally come to this, to recognize that Jesus truly was who he says that he is. But then there's this second departure that happens some 40 days later, where Jesus ascends before his disciples. And what we'll see is, or at least, you know, what, what, what's worth noting is that there's a di it's like there are different transformed kind of people. Luke tells us in, in the last chapter of Luke that, that when Christ ascends into heaven, that they return to the temple in Jerusalem full of joy, full of great joy. This is like a different people that, that have been changed in not just in mind, but in heart because they have seen the resurrected Savior. And so that truly is a departure of the Lord. And so his concern is this necessity for them to understand the moment that they're in, that he, he is going to be departing um, from them in his suffering, but also in glory in his ascension. So John chapter 13, verse 33, where Jesus says, Little children, yet a little while I am with you. You will seek me. And just as I said to the Jews, so now also I say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. When Jesus says to his disciples that he said this to the Jews, he's, uh, John is really referencing something he's, he wrote earlier in John chapter 7, 
where Jesus is speaking to the Jews. The disciples are there, but he's speaking to the Jews. And Jesus says to them, I will be with you a little longer, and then I'm going to him who sent me. You will seek me, and you will not find me. Where I am, you cannot come. But the Jews said to one another, Where does this man intend to go, that we will not find him? Does he intend to go to the dispersion among the Greeks and teach the Greeks? What does he mean by saying, You will seek me, and you will not find me? And where I am going, you cannot come. That's in John chapter 7. Here in John chapter 13, Jesus is saying, You will seek me, just as I said to the Jews, so now I am saying to you, where I am going, you cannot come. And so his departure, really, you know, now he's speaking to his disciples, it becomes a cause for concern for them. Because we see Peter's response uh, immediately following that statement from Jesus, where Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered him, where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow afterward. And Peter says, Lord, why can I, follow, why can I not follow you now? In, jo in John chapter 14, verse 1, Jesus says, let not your hearts be troubled. And Thomas responds in verse 5, Lord, we do not know where you are going. Later on in, in ch John chapter 14, verse 27 through 31, Jesus says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I am going away, and I will come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced, because I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it takes place, so that when it does take place, you may believe. I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming. He has claim on me, but I do as the Father has commanded me, so that the world may know that I love the Father. And he says, rise, let us go up from here. That's the, that's the last verse going into his high priestly prayer. So Jesus' departure is going to be followed by persecution. Jesus' love for his disciples is in sort of telling them, you know, persecution is going to follow his departure. And really, um, his departure in the eyes of the world, again, is just his crucifixion. Because Jesus, when he rose from the dead, he didn't, he didn't his, his ministry leading up to the cross was very public. But his ministry between the cross and his ascension was very personal. He made himself known to his disciples. It wasn't public like before because he wasn't there for the world anymore. He has paid the debt. He has risen from the grave. And so this relationship with the disciples during that time is very personal. And so, yes, Christ has risen, but Christ's ministry is different. So his first ministry is public. His second ministry is very private. And so it was his, this departure from his disciples that was going to be followed by much persecution. And we see that uh, this time, like we said before, his departure um, during his ascension was met with much great joy in Luke chapter 1. I mentioned, I mentioned it before, but let me read it here. Where Jesus led them out as far as Bethany, and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. While he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they were continually in the temple blessing God. And how is this possible when just days before, Jesus says here, nevertheless, his departure would be followed by persecution. 
in John chapter 15, verse 20, he says, Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. And this really brings us into, into our first verse in, um, in John chapter 16. Or in John chapter 16, he says, I have said all of these things to keep you from falling away. And he goes on to say in verse 2, They will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he is offering service to God. And they will do these things because they have not known the Father nor me. But I have said these things to you, that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. I do not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you, but now I am going to him who sent me. And none of you asked me, where are you going? That, and that is really that he had not told them that he was leaving. Remember, he mentioned that he had said this to the Jews before and you know they were throwing out all these weird things. But he'd never really taken his disciples and set them aside and said that he is going and where I'm going, you cannot follow that's what he means there in verse 5. And then in verse 6 he says, But because I have said these things to you now, sorrow has filled your heart. And then sprinkled throughout John chapter 13 and 17 is really Jesus affirming the love that he has for the Father, the love that the Father has for the Son. This unique relationship between the Father and the Son, between the first and second person of the Trinity and his desire for his people to benefit from this love and this relationship between the Father and the Son, and not only to benefit, but to participate within this, this love relationship between the Godhead. And so we could summarize all of that, really, and this is, this is like I said, there, this, the theme of Christ's love for his people isn't the only theme throughout this, these passages, but we can summarize Jesus' love for his people and his desire for his people with John chapter 15, verse 9 through 17. And Jesus says, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in love, in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. You are my friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. This is all in light of his imminent departure, which is to be followed by persecution for his disciples. And so we can ask those questions, or these questions, how does Jesus affirm his love for them? We could ask, how does he empower them to love him and obey him? How does he empower them to love one another? How does he enable and strengthen them to believe and to not fall away? 
How does Christ comfort them in his imminent departure? How does he strengthen them to adore the persecution to the end? How does he ensure union with him and the Father for his people? And so this is where we get to affirm the person and work of the Holy Spirit. And so John chapter 16, verse 7 says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For I do not go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. There are three main points that I want to flesh out from um, the remaining passages here in John chapter 16 and throughout the these previous chapters that we sort of went over because these are all within that confined um, speech for, or really that, that dialogue within this, the Last Supper of Jesus leading up to his, um, his betrayal. So the first main point I really want us to affirm is I believe in the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. The second point is going to be going to be, I believe in the Holy Spirit who proceeds from the Father and the Son. And then the third main point will be, I believe in the Holy Spirit, the ministry of the Holy Spirit. So these will be our three main points. There will be some subpoints uh, within some of these main points. So main point number one, I believe in the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. So by person, what we really mean, not like you or I are people, but that he is a personal being rather than an impersonal force or an impersonal influence. And so we affirm the personhood of the being of the Holy Spirit. And what we mean by of the Trinity is that he is of the same substance uh, and equal in power and in authority, in glory with God the Father and with God the Son. And so we see his personal being and not an impersonal force. And I know this is going to sound cheesy, but it's only because society has made this phrase cheesy. But we really see this personal being within the pronouns used to, to, to describe the Holy Spirit. We see this in, in his, his personal pronouns is really what I'm getting at here. So John chapter 16, verse 7, where it says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away, for I do not go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. John chapter 16, verse 8, he goes on to say, Jesus says, And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. In John chapter 16, verses 13 through 15, Jesus says, When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own authority. But whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore I said, he will take what is mine and declare, and declare it to you. We're not affirming the manhood of the Holy Spirit. We're affirming the being, the personal being within the nature of the third person of the Trinity. And so we can conclude that we see his personal being, that he is not an impersonal force, or even an uh, impersonal um, influence, 
but that he is, that he, that there are these really personal pronouns that are meant to convey this idea that this is a personal being. We can also see that he is a personal being and not an impersonal force in his name. And here we see the helper, the, the name helper. Again, in John chapter 16, verse 7, Jesus says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come. And this, this uh, title for the Holy Spirit is used four other times. In all of the New Testament, it's used five times. The fifth time is in 1 John, and it's referring to the advocate that we have, who is Christ. Those other four times are all in reference to the Holy Spirit, and they're all within this, this, uh, this John chapter 13 through John chapter 17 uh, space. And so we'll just, I'm going to read all four of those, uh, those spots where um, the title helper is given to the Holy Spirit. So we just read John chapter 16, verse 7. John chapter 14, verse 16. Jesus says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper. In John chapter 14, verse 26, he says, But the helper, the Holy Spirit. In John chapter 15, verse 26, he says, But when the helper comes, this word helper is, is um, in the Greek, the, what it is trying to convey is this one who comes alongside as a helper, or really, you know, when, when we're thinking about Christ, it's this advocate in a legal sense who comes and advocates for you on your behalf. And so this, this is a powerful word, and it's meant to convey the idea of a being who's coming alongside and helping you, of a personal being to the sense where he is a helper to those whom he helps. So these four instances are used, and the fifth instance is used only to refer to Christ. And so to conclude with this, we could see that he is a personal being and not an impersonal force, just given his name, Helper. We can also see that he is a divine personal being, again with his name, with his different names that are within the, the, these passages. In John chapter 16, verse 13, in our passage, Jesus says, when the spirit of truth comes, when the spirit of truth, this title denotes that he is a spiritual being who does not lie, for he's the spirit of truth. He cannot lie, for it's, it, it's, in the, it's in the title, Spirit of Truth, He Speaks Truth. He is called the Spirit of Truth. We do know that other spiritual beings are capable of lying. In John chapter 8, verse 44, John, or Jesus says, You are of your father the devil. He's talking to the teachers around him. You are of your, the father your devil, and, you will, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning does not, and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him, the devil being a spiritual being capable of lying. When he lies, Jesus says, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. And yet we know that God cannot lie. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 17 through 18 says, So when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise, the unchangeable, the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it with an oath, so that by two unchangeable things, in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. And then in our uh, preceding text, in John chapter 14, verse 16, that 
This name again is given to the Holy Spirit, where Jesus says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth. And in John chapter 15, verse 26, again, But when the Helper comes, who I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth. In John chapter 14, verse 25 through 26, And throughout the, the, throughout the Holy Scripture, he's also given the title Holy Spirit. So we have the Spirit of truth and the Holy Spirit. In John, um, in John 14, 25, it says, These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, but the Helper the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. He will teach you all the things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. So we can see his divine personal being is in his name, Spirit of Truth, Holy Spirit. We can also see he is divine, but that he is neither the Father nor the Son, signifying triunity within this divine Godhead. We see this in John, again in our passage, John chapter 16, verse 5. This distinction that the Father is not the Son, nor the Son the Father. Where Jesus says, I did not say these things to you from the beginning, because I was with you. But now I, this is Jesus talking, I am going to him who sent me, that's the Father, and none of you asks me where I am going. Later on in, in uh, verse 7 of that same chapter, chapter 16, there's another distinction that the Son is not the Spirit, and the Spirit is not the Son. For Jesus says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. Jesus distinguishing himself from the Helper. But if I go, Jesus says, I will send him to you. Again, the distinction that the Son is not the Spirit, and the Spirit is not the Son. In John chapter 16, verse 13, where Jesus says, When the Spirit of truth comes to you, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. And we can ask, well, who hear from who? Well, he goes on to say in verse 14, He, that is the Spirit of truth, that is the Helper, that is the Holy Spirit, he will glorify me. Distinction right there between the Holy Spirit and the Son. For he, that is the Holy Spirit, will take what is mine, that is Jesus, and he will declare it to you. And then in verse 15, we see the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. All that the Father has is mine, the Father and the Son. Therefore I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. That's the Holy Spirit. And so we can see that he is divine, but that he is neither the Father nor the Son. This is important because there are, historically there are heresies that talk about the Father we had the Father in the Old Testament and the Son in the New Testament, and now we have the Holy Spirit in post Christ, um, in the post-Christ Godhead. And so it's important to affirm the deity of the Holy Spirit, but distinguish between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, uh, in, in at least in, in embracing the third person of the Trinity, that is the Holy Spirit. We can also see his, div his divinity or affirm his divinity in where he resides, where the Holy Spirit resides. This will be fleshed out more really in our second point. But the point here is that the Holy Spirit is in perfect unity with the Father and the Son. And so if it were to be said that there is the Father, if you could say there's the Father or there's the Son, you would also be able to say there's the Holy Spirit. We can't do that, but this is just hyperbole to make a point. The Holy Spirit is also said to reside in the hearts of God's elect. 
So if we were to ask, where is the Holy Spirit? We could affirm that God is everywhere and that the Holy Spirit also resides in the hearts of regenerated people. And so in our, in our text of, um, in John chapter 14, verses 16 through 17, Jesus says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you, that is, God is everywhere, and he dwells in you, that is, the Holy Spirit also residing in the hearts of the elect. And we can see his divinity in his ministry. We can affirm the divinity of the Holy Spirit in his ministry. This too will be fleshed out in the third main point. But not only his ministry, but it's this, this ministry where he co-works in redemption and in judgment with the Father and the Son. And this comes to us in um, at least the judgment part in our passage of John chapter 16, but verses 8 through 11. Where, John, where Jesus says, And when he comes, that is the Holy Spirit, he will convict the world concerning sin in righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. And so we, conclude, we can conclude at least the first main point with all that and say, I believe in the Holy Spirit the third person of the Trinity, this divine personal being of the Trinity who is not the Father, who is not the Son, who is fully God, as well as the Father and the Son. Our second main point is, I believe in the Holy Spirit who proceeds from the Father and the Son. And so just as a, as a side note, we have looked over these 15 verses at this point, and we're going to keep going into these 15 verses, because this is all nuanced throughout. And, and it's also nuanced, nuanced throughout the preceding verses, but you know, you may have already sort of heard the words coming and sort of pointed that out already to, in your own minds. This idea that the Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father and the Son. What we mean by proceed is going out from, that the Holy Spirit is, is from the Father and the Son that the Holy Spirit goes out from them. Again, this, this idea also affirms the divinity of the Holy Spirit. So we can see that the Holy Spirit is sent from the Father and the Son in John chapter 16, verse 7, where Jesus sends the Holy Spirit. Jesus says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For, I do not go, for if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. I will send him to you. In the verses or in the chapters before, in John chapter 14, we also see that it's the Father that also gives the Holy Spirit. Where Jesus says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. So we have before it's Jesus says, I will send him to you, and now here we have the Father will give you another helper. Later on in the same uh, chapter, verse chapter 14, verse 26, Jesus says, um, that, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send, now he adds this nuance, in my name. He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. And then in verse chapter 15, verse 26, here's where we're going to get this word proceed. Jesus says, but when the Helper comes, 
whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father. It means go out from. Who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. So our first main point is the divinity of the Holy Spirit. This is That might stand out as an obvious point that we want to affirm, but it's equally important to understand that the Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father and the Son as just concluding and affirming the second main point of, I believe in the Holy Spirit who proceeds from the Father and the Son. And lastly, our third main point will be, I believe in the Holy Spirit, and this is the ministry of the Holy Spirit. This really is where we begin to, I mean, we benefit from the fact that the Holy Spirit is third person of the Trinity. We benefit from the fact that the Holy Spirit has been given out by the Father and the Son, but we definitely benefit from the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And so we see the ministry of the Holy Spirit in that He helps the people of God, for He is the Helper. Jesus commands them to love Him and obey His commands, and He promises them a Helper to help them do that. After giving them, giving them the command to love and obey Him, Jesus says, If you love Me, you will keep My commandments, and I will ask the Father, and He will give you another Helper to be with you forever. This ministry where the, where the Holy Spirit is helping the people of God. Later on in chapter 14, verse 23 through 26, Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and he will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. And, and uh, uh, Jesus warns them of the persecution. So we can see the Helper helping them during this time of persecution where He talks about that in John chapter 15. This talk where He talks about persecution in John chapter 15 verses 2022 20, through 27 is followed immediately by our text today where Jesus says in verse 1, I have said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. They will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he is offering service to God. And they will do these things because they have not known the Father nor me. But I have said these things to you that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. And just before him saying that, in verse 20 of chapter 15, he said, Remember the word that I said to you, A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. And that is immediately followed by, But when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. So we see the, the help of the Holy Spirit even during persecution. We can also see the ministry of the Holy Spirit in his bearing, that is, in, in his bearing witness of the Son. While Jesus tells his disciples that they will bear witness with him, he doesn't leave them to do this by themselves, but he affirms the idea that the Holy Spirit will bear witness with them. Again, in John chapter 15, the verses we just read, he says, But when the Helper comes, who I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, this helper who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. 
and you also were bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. We also earlier, uh, we, we acknowledged the ministry of the Holy Spirit in judging the world, where it, Jesus says in John chapter 16, verse 8, And when he comes, that is the Holy Spirit, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. We can see the ministry of the Holy Spirit in bringing to remembrance to the people of God, to the people that, uh, that belong to Jesus, the words of Jesus. Jesus says to them in John chapter 16, verse 13, When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all the truth, for He is the Spirit of truth. He will guide you into all truth, for He will not speak on His own authority. But whatever He hears, that is, whatever the Holy Spirit hears, He will speak, and He will declare to you the things that are to come. And we can see the ministry of the Holy Spirit in his glorifying the Son. In John chapter 16, verse 14, Jesus says, He, that is the Holy Spirit, will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. So we have these three main points. The first point being the first main point being when I believe in the Holy Spirit, we can affirm the divinity, the the personhood of the third person of the Trinity. When we say, I believe in the Holy Spirit, we can consider our second main point, that the Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father and the Son. And with our main point, when we say, I believe in the Holy Spirit, we can consider the works of the Holy Spirit, at least within the passage that we just read. But there are so many other works that, that we can, uh, can at least affirm that we have not gone, gone over. We can consider the work of the Holy Spirit in creation. We can consider the work of the Holy Spirit in the inspiration of the Word of God. We can consider the work of the Holy Spirit in the ministry of Jesus, in his conception, which is in earlier that we affirmed in the Apostles' Creed, his conception. We can consider the work of the Holy Spirit in the affirming Jesus in his baptism. We can consider the work of the Holy Spirit in the life, the death, and the resurrection of the Son. We can consider the work of the Holy Spirit in the illumination, the, the Holy Spirit illuminating us, our minds and our hearts with the Word of God and persuading us to, to hear the words of Jesus and to trust them and, 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 and know them and believe in them and obey them. We can see the work of the Holy Spirit in the, in the Scriptures in the work of regeneration in the hearts of the elect. We can see the work of the Holy Spirit in worship, in sanctification, and in new creation. And so for now, I hope that we can all confess with the saints of old, with this Apostles' Creed, and be able to say with the Holy Scriptures, I believe in the Holy Spirit. This is simply at this point, this is just knowledge that we're saying and we're saying with our mouths. Okay, we want to be able to affirm these things practically too in our lives. Practically too in our lives. So what does this mean for practically for the believer? It means that hopefully we can be comforted and encouraged knowing that it is a personal and active person in the triune God who dwells within you, who is your helper, who is the spirit of truth, who is the Holy Spirit, who is sent by the Father and the Son, meant to help you and sanctify you and bear witness with you and with the word to bear witness of the person and work of Jesus Christ. There are other 
creeds that affirm the Holy Spirit. And I just thought it would be beneficial for me to at least read two creeds and then one confession concerning the Holy Spirit. The Nicene Creed says it this way of the Holy Spirit. And we believe in the Holy Ghost, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. The second creed written in the 6th century is the Athanasian Creed. It says it this way, The Holy Ghost is of the Father and of the Son, neither made nor created nor begotten. This is to differentiate the Holy Spirit from the Son. The Son is begotten. The Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father and the Son. So, nor created nor begotten, but proceeding. So there is one Father, not three fathers, one Son, not three sons, one Holy Ghost, not three Holy Ghosts. And then in our own Confession of Faith, the London Baptist Confession of Faith, chapter 2, which is entitled Of God and the Trinity, paragraph 3, it reads this way. And we'll conclude with this confession. In this divine and infinite being, there are three subsistences, that is persons, three persons, the Father, the Word, or the Son. It, it uses two names to describe the Son. So the Word or the Son and Holy Spirit. Of one substance, power, and eternity, but each having the whole divine essence, yet the essence is undivided. The Father is of none. That means He is neither the Son nor the Holy Spirit. Neither begotten nor proceeding. The Son is eternally begotten of the Father. And here we have the Holy Spirit proceeding from the Father and the Son. All infinite, without beginning, therefore but one God, who is not to be divided in nature and being, but distinguished. And we've gone over some of these distinctions. They are distinguished by several peculiar relative properties and personal relationships or relations, which the doctrine of the Trinity is the foundation of all our communion with God and comfortable dependence on Him. This is why in the Apostles' Creed, we affirm the Father, Son, and here we now affirm, I believe in the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for being a God who loves the Son, has given a people to the Son, a Father who, and a Son who has given a helper to us, a helper who regenerates our hearts and, and illuminates our minds and persuades us to read the Scriptures and to know them to be true, for you are a God who cannot lie. We thank you that all of the promises of the Old Testament are fulfilled they have their yes in Jesus Christ. We thank you that the Son has gone to the grave, having departed once, and that you rose him from the grave. We thank you that the Son, departing a second time, but in different fashion, with victory over sin and death, ascends to the right hand of the Father. And so the Son carries on a ministry of intercession, of mediation for the saints in the heavens. But you have not left your people alone, apart from your word, which we have, Lord. You have given us a helper. You have given us a spirit of truth, your Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, sent from the Father and the Son, who dwells in our hearts. 
We thank you, Lord, for the ministry and the person of the Holy Spirit. We thank you that the Holy Spirit glorifies the Father and the Son. And so with him, we bear witness and we glorify you, Father, and we glorify the Son. We thank you, God, for your faithfulness and your expressions of love through actions throughout redemptive history. We ask, Lord, that these truths would bear and be bound to our minds and to our hearts, that we would live our lives in light of gospel truths, that we would not just confess these truths to be familiar with these truths, but that these truths would transform our hearts, having already been saved through the person and work of Christ, but through our, the life of sanctification leading towards glorification, that these truths would continue to transform us into living lives that are holy and pleasing unto you. May we bear witness with the Holy Spirit of your Son, Jesus Christ, as we go into the world, but we are not remain not of the world. Father, thank you for your grace and your mercy. We love you and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.